just really God focused and lifting up the name of Jesus. It's like really made me feel a lot uh, more at peace and at rest. Um, so, <clears throat> just following up a little bit from uh, our previous talks, just briefly, I've got a few things to say about family today. But before we get on to that, I just want to kind of join it up with what we've been saying the previous two weeks about this whole uh, period of being in a, in a period of contention, you know, uh, contending for some of the things that God has for us. And uh, we felt that uh, from Brian's dream a few weeks ago that the Lord was showing us that actually there's a little bit of a battle going on and that we need to contend in order to really step into the things that he has for us. And uh, it goes on. It goes on. And we've seen some good things happen over the last few weeks. So we've seen some good breakthroughs. Uh, but also, the battle continues. And I was reminded this week of a story that, that actually I think Mike told me the other day about Graham Cook, uh, how he once... Uh, had a vision, and uh, he w- it was in a period of his life when everything seemed to be kind of going wrong and lots of pressure and lots of difficulties. And he saw himself as a, as a like in a battle, dressed in armor with a shield and a sword, and uh, out on the hillside with a band of faithful warriors who were there ready. And they were fighting, and they, there was cleaving going on. There was limbs being chopped off. There was blood. There was a, a full, fully-fledged battle against the enemy. This is in his vision, okay? Or maybe a dream. And, um, and just as they began to get the upper hand, just as things sort of started to get a, a little bit of order... Suddenly, he looks up, and over the hill come another 2,000 of the enemy in fresh armor, hadn't been in battle yet, and they thought, oh, no, what on earth? And there's only a few of them left, and he's kind of leaning on his sword, and all of a sudden, someone comes and taps him on the shoulder and uh, in this dream and says, excuse me, sir, would you like the fish or the soup? And he kind of turns around says, what? Would you like the fish or the soup? And it's a man dressed completely in black tie like the party last night with a uh, tea towel over his shoulder, taking a little note of what he would like for his dinner. And he felt the Lord speak to him in that moment from Psalm 23, where it says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Okay, and there is something about being in this battle, that is not purely down to us, okay? We have a responsibility, yes, but it is not down to us to get the victory. When the Lord is on our side, when he raises up a banner over us, he is our victory and he is the person that we need to look to. And so we can sit down and enjoy that feast in the presence of our enemies and in a way, this is sort of what Christmas is feeling like to me. This is as close as you'll get to a Christmas message from me, okay? Um, because it feels like there's so many things going on, so many different situations, that actually to engage in the process of Christmas, it seems kind of like a bit kind of tough to actually 
engage with it. But I feel like the Lord wants us to. The, feel, the Lord wants us to rest in him. Stay engaged, but rest in him. These are the important things. Now, I read this uh, scripture the other day. In fact, I think Tim Applin prayed it over me last Friday uh, from Exodus 17. And it was, you know, the Lord's been really stirring us up to pray at the moment. I do apologize. It's so cold in here today. They've taken the fuses out of all of the heaters down the corridor, and it's just made it drafty. But anyway, um, yeah, Tim was praying for me, and we, we'd, we've been stirred to really seek the Lord, you know, through this dream about staying connected to the power source through worship and praise, connected to him, connected to each other. In a, in a spirit, in a culture of honor, serving one another, loving one another, thinking the best of one another. But that using the weapons that he's put in our hands, which is prayer. Prayer connected to the power source, which overcomes the enemy. And the Lord's really been stirring us to pray more and more and more. And me particularly. I feel like the Lord's uh, been encouraging me. I've, I've felt quite stirred to get down into my little prayer room with my guitar and worship and just get in his presence and begin to pray the word. And uh, when we were praying, Tim read this scripture out over me from Exodus 17. And it said, whilst the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands were held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. They won the battle. So I think this is a great picture of intercession at the moment. And I feel like the Lord, you know, so much of what we've done, we've we've kind of done prayer thrusts, if you like, where we kind of have a target, we pray for it, and when it happens, we stop. I feel like we're in something at the moment, which is an ongoing period of contention. And we need to keep praying. I feel like the Lord's stirring me at the moment to consider praying like, in a, in a formal way, three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. That's something he's beginning to stir my heart. Now, how that works out, I don't know. I don't know kind of quite what that looks like. But at least for five minutes at any one of those times, I am moving towards getting into an intentional place of engaging the Father, engaging the Holy Spirit, worshipping and praying and calling in some of these promises that he has spoken over us in a very deliberate, intentional way. And I feel like this is what the Lord is saying. And that there is, as 
we engage in that, stay connected to the power source, connected to each other, using the weapons that we've got, so we will get the advantage over the enemy in this time and see some of these promises released into our lives. There's a lot of us who have promises over our lives that have been hanging there for quite a long time. And I'm telling you now, prayer is the key. This is not a moment to be passive and just wait for the prediction to come true because it won't. Because it needs engagement with it. You need to lay hold of these promises. You need to take hold of them and you need to pray because that is the way that God has ordained it. It's God's primary strategy for the restoration of all things, the accomplishment of all things, prayer and worship. That is what he wants us to do. So we're very encouraged at the moment. I've had a couple of confirming words that have said that actually this very time, like December, one, one from Bill's latest word, if you have not heard the latest series from Bill Johnson on prosperity with a purpose, about the last six weeks of talks from Bill Johnson, they are amazing. They are just so now. Well, the very last one has really kind of confirmed a few things in my life, and it has left me in a really encouraged place to understand that the Lord does want to release something through us. He does want us to step into a new place of blessing, uh, but we have to contend for it. And again, another word from a guy that I've been following for a while. It was a prophetic word which says, we are entering into a time of extended repayment for the extreme losses we have experienced over the past seven years, since 2008. It will take effort, and in some cases, a battle to get it. So don't back down. And he quotes the scripture from Proverbs 13. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, but a sudden good break can turn your life around. And we are coming into a season of sudden good breaks. I'm declaring it. I just felt I had to speak this out, okay? This is not me teaching you anything. I'm just declaring it in a prophetic way. We are coming into a season of sudden good breaks. There is a turning of the tide which is happening right at this very moment. But prayer is what will turn it around. Engagement. And so... As we come into this wonderful time of Christmas, because I am a big Christmas fan, I make no apologies for it, I like it, I like the trees, I like the food, I like a glass of wine, all of the stuff that goes with it, I like it, okay? But there is the temptation sometimes to, whilst we take a break from the, the kind of turning the handle, the, the service, the rotors, the duties that we also take a break from God as well, and we kind of just turn off. And I feel like this at this moment, take a break from your work, yes, but don't take a break from God. Come in closer, come in closer. Just kind of keep connected to that power source. We are at a very critical time in the lighthouse's history, and I think particularly uh, as, as a family, as a, a group of leaders, I'm talking to you as well. We need to stay engaged. We need to contend for the things that God has for us. That's that bit. Okay. So we're in the month of family. This is probably the last one of these cultural theme months that we're going to do. Um, 
<clears throat> where we focused on different themes each month, like the goodness of God, the culture of honor, all of these things. Well, we're in the month of family, and I thought it would be good just to uh, really revisit this, because this is one of the core values of who the lighthouse are, okay? And, you know, we started off life, and in some kind of prophetic moment, we called ourselves the Lighthouse Family Church, okay? Now, at different times in history, I've been thinking, do we need a bit of a rebranding? Do we need a new logo, just become the Lighthouse Church? And each time I do, I feel like the Lord's saying, no, you are the Lighthouse Family Church. There's family. Family is at the core of everything that we are. And of course, Christmas is a family time, isn't it? And You know, personally, I don't actually think the celebration of Christmas has a huge place within the mechanism of church. Forgive me, those of you who are from the more religious establishments that love to do things. And it is great. I love the way they do all of that stuff. And we we might go to, you know, one of the Church of England things for a a kind of midnight mass or whatever. Uh, And they do it very beautifully. But for us... We feel that Christmas is celebrated every day of the year. Easter is celebrated every day of the year. We celebrate that Jesus came down, gave up his place of kind of power, of authority, of fellowship with the Father, closeness. You know, that you, you can't imagine what that was like in heaven for Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit who were just one to suddenly give that up and come down to serve us. It says he came down to be a servant on earth. And we celebrate this every day of the year. So, you know, for us, perfect this morning. Just get in there, worship God. Worship him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. You know, we don't need... We don't feel the need to sing special songs, although I do like carols as well. But we can just worship him. We can just worship him. Having said all of that, I do like Christmas. Uh, Christmas is a great time for family. And it's where family really, uh, for us in the Reed household, comes a little bit into focus. You know, we have a little bit of time to do some of the things. We have a few little traditions that we go through. I'm sure you all have your own traditions in, the, in your houses and everything, but we have the yearly tradition of the argument over the tree, where Heather wants to get one like this, and we want to get one like this, where we have to cut the top off to get it in the room and all of that sort of stuff, you know, and we always get it too big and it doesn't quite fit and all of that sort of stuff. It's a little bit of a tradition, but it's kind of something that has to happen each year. You know, Heather wants to ring the changes and go somewhere else, and we always want to go to the same place because that's what we do, okay? And we all get in the car together, and there's so many of us in the car that we can't fit the tree in when we're coming back and all of that sort of stuff. But that's part of what we do, and it's part of what we look forward to. And I think there is a place for traditions in family and in church. I mean, it is the things that give you that sense of well-being and security that you kind of got some history and you know how things work together. So I'm not knocking tradition at all, it's, but it's got to have life in the midst of it. Um, but anyway, so we have the Christmas tree. Uh, there's the famous Christmas walk on Boxing Day, Heather's favourite day of the year when everything's 
over all the pressure of presents and all of that stuff and you just eat leftovers like there is no tomorrow and go out for this huge walk you know which usually ends up to your waist in bog or something Uh, but it's bracing and it's good but it's a tradition and it's it's what we do we have of course and I hope Josie's still got it somewhere the famous story on Christmas Eve which we have been reading since they were kind of tiny we would go in on Christmas Eve and read it was the night before Christmas but of course, as we've done, I mean, don't, ah, uh, this is serious stuff, you know. <laughs> actually, it is, it is now become multinational because Jack and Mandy and Asher actually usually link in on Skype because they want to join in with it as well. But it has got, it has got seriously produced now. It started where we tried, well, we tried to do it in a different accent each year. But we do seem to have settled on Glaswegian. As being, as, being the, as being the kind of accent of choice. So we kind of start off, "'Twas the neat before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a moose." All right, you can see how it goes. Everyone wants to come now, don't they? I, d- I think I even had a Tamashanta one year for, for doing it. But um, anyway, so that's one of the, that's one of the, um, one of the traditions. And there, there are a number of others, which I won't go into at this time. But, you know, family is, is a real core value to everything that we are. I mean, I'm sure you all value your families, you, you value your kids and uh, all of that. But I, f- I feel like the Lord wants to call us to a place of family that we haven't quite got to yet. I mean, there is a great sense of family. And actually, if you come on a lot of the welcome course things, the thing that people often say is, oh, there was, a, there was such a welcoming kind of uh, atmosphere and you look like you really like each other and there's a nice atmosphere and you know people often say they're quite spoken to by the sense of family that they observe and of course you know as we get a little bit bigger it's quite difficult to preserve that because the mechanism gets bigger and the work gets bigger and all of that sort of stuff but we need to really make a choice to stay in that place, to keep the family in the middle of the Lighthouse Family Church, okay? It really is a core, core value. And I, one of the things that I love about the fact that we have been going for 18 years now is that actually we do have a bit of history together. Actually, we've seen one or two things together. We've been through some things. We've uh, we've seen our kids grow from kind of knee-high to a grasshopper up to kind of about eight foot in Jack's case. I mean, he's like huge. Um, but people have grown up and they've got married and they're now having babies. And we've, we've celebrated some good things together. And it, it brings a great sense of well-being as we see this and we witness it. We've also been through some very difficult times together as people have been ill and some people have died. And those, uh, whilst very painful are also very rich in the fact that we can walk through them together because we are family and we are there for each other in those times. And now more than ever, I feel like the Lord is calling us to a place 
where we are family and committed to one another so that there is no plan B. Okay, there was a couple of words came out recently about covenant. I think Deb said something to us a little while ago and Joe came up and kind of gave a little word on a Sunday evening about covenant and about the choice of making covenant. A covenant is an agreement, a binding agreement between two parties, two people, two whatever. Uh, It is an agreement that is made together. And I believe that the Lord really wants to call us into that place of covenant. You know, one of the things that has uh, really, what's the word? I want to use beleaguered. Is that the word? Kind of besieged and kind of eroded the things of church is a thing called denominationalism. Denominationalism. That one. Anyway, but basically, it's the thing that happened around the time of the Reformation where groups of Christians begin to gather themselves around what they believed. Okay, and, you know, some of it's good. Some really good truths were brought into the church at that time. The Baptists brought in the, the concept of full immersion baptism. They felt they kind of looked at the word and said... No, we think baptism should be a good old plunge and all of that stuff rather than just a sprinkle that the established church was doing. And so they did it. And that's, and that's, that's good that these truths have been restored to the church as a whole. And each of the denomin- denominations, I'm going to have trouble with that one now, um, have had their element of truth which they've brought forth into the church. And it has kind of added something to the church. But the thing that it has also done is separated people out and actually made things quite precarious. And I'm sure you've all experienced it at different times. Because, for example, in in, back in the early days, the Baptists who were kind of very big on uh, full immersion baptism weren't so full on about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there was, a, there was a bit of a tension there. And so as groups of people began to pursue more of God and pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit, suddenly felt they were at odds with some of the people. And so they separated apart. And probably another denomination was produced. And this style of church where people gather around a set of people who believe the same things as each other which in essence is not bad, was actually quite precarious and I don't believe very biblical, actually. I think as we look at the New Testament and we look at the churches that were established by the the apostles as they planted churches, I mean, it was right in the early days, wasn't it? There wasn't church before that, so it's kind of brand new and I'm sure some things changed as they were doing them, uh, just from knowing kind of what, how, how things work out. But they were actually groups of people who were gathered in a geographical area and around a set of families. And I think the apostolic model of church is where people are gathered around family rather than what they believe. Okay, so you gather around fathers, mothers, and, you know, brothers and sisters. There is this family atmosphere, and you say... We are together. We are family. We are like a family. Like you may have a family um, 
with two kind of very bright children uh, who push off into politics and one becomes a conservative and one becomes a Labour candidate. You know, and they both push into government and they both get really kind of full on with their ideals and they're pushing through. One believes one thing, one believes the other. But they're still family, aren't they? And you can still actually sit round the table and have a roast dinner together. It may get a bit feisty at times as people express their views, but they're still family. And nothing stops that. Nothing stops the fact that you are family. And that's why I think, you know, even as now we're going through some challenging times together, as we've mentioned, with people being ill, some financial pressures that some people are having, different things that are going on where things are a challenge. It, I'll confess it was a little bit of a challenge this morning because lots of people were away, some people were not so well, and it left a few gaps, which meant others had to work twice as hard to get the thing ready, you know, for this morning. And it, it, it's like hard work. But we're family. And that's what we do. We get together and we work together and we make it happen, you know. And I think the Lord is calling us to a place now where he wants us to make a choice. He wants us to be intentional. We are going to go through into a, an exciting time as a church We've got some good things which God wants to pour out upon us. He wants to release to us. But it is not going to happen if we say, well, all right, we'll hang around. But as soon as they do, as soon as someone does that, then I'm off. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to start my own thing over here, and, which is kind of almost the same, but not quite. I think that heart, which we have all seen in church over the years, has got to go. It's got to go. We've got to recognize that actually God has called us to be together. God has called us to be a family. God has called us to serve one another. I think, you know, covenant is very much a choice that you make. It is not a convenience and, and one of the greatest examples of that is marriage, of course, where we get, we get together. And um, I, I felt tempted to put a little clip up. One of, one of my favorite films is Flash Gordon. Um, and when the marriage of Ming the Merciless to Dale Harden is taking place, the, the priest comes on and says, Do you, Ming, take Dale to be your empress of the hour? To use her and abuse her until you get bored of her. And then toss her aside. And he says, I do. But of course, that's not what marriage is like. Actually, marriage, marriage is a covenant of completely the opposite, isn't it? I mean, that was a joke. Okay, that was not me. That's not part of my teaching. I mean, our vows say, I promise to be with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. To love, to cherish, till death as do part, according to God's holy law. And there too I plight thee my troth. Whatever that means. Um, 
But those are the traditional vows that are said at a Church of England wedding, which I love. I love the formality of that, and I love the, the solemnness of those vows. But they are, they are vows that are a, a covenant where you say, I'm not just going to stay there while you keep me happy. I'm not just going to stay there if it feels good. I'm not just going to stay there. I'm in this for the long haul, till death us do part. It is, it is words that are spoken. That is what marriage is. Marriage isn't a legal certificate. It are, they are words that are spoken before God and before people. And when you say them and you say, I'm in it for the long haul, there is no plan B. There is no option to go a different route for me. This is it. I'm putting it in, okay? And that's what a covenant is. Now, sometimes it goes beyond help. And sometimes things do go wrong. And I'm not, like, putting any condemnation on anyone. Because within all of these different things, there are a number of circumstances which are just beyond Uh, coping with and I understand that but in essence that is what our marriage vows are about that's what Heather and my marriage vows are about we said that we believe it there is no other route to go that is it we're in it she's lumped with me and I am delighted to have her But marriage also is a process because if you come into marriage and say, so I'm, I'm Phil Reed, this is what I do, I, and right, Heather, you've got to fit in with that now. I want you to kind of bring me my breakfast every morning and I want you to do all my washing. You know, if you start reading the law down, well, you're likely to get it on your head, aren't you, for a start. But actually, that's not what the process is about. The process is about learning to serve one another. In a way, it's learning to die to ourselves and to our own kind of wants and needs and to serve one another. That's what we do. That's, that's the, the process of being married. And that is the whole thing that the culture of honor is about, isn't it? It's working hard to make someone else look good. It is like serving them. It's looking after them. It's kind of doing everything that you can humanly do to make that thing go well. And in the process, if it all works well, you get your needs met as well. That's kind of how it works. As you work hard to make someone else look good, honour as you sow, so you reap, and you reap it back. And I feel like this is the same spirit as we need to have in the church. That is what family. If we take a step forward into more than just being a group of believers that are gathered together because it's convenient, it's close to our home, it's they kind of sing the songs I like or whatever, into a place where you say, I'm in this for the long haul. Seriously, I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm really, uh, I'm kind of laying it down. And in a way, burning your boats... You know, when the, when, I think it was the Spanish when they went over to discover South America, the person who was in charge made them burn their boats when they arrived there so that they couldn't run away, so that they couldn't go back. They had to go forward. They had to colonize. They had to make a place to stay there. And I think there is something in covenant that is like that. It's a mental choice. This is what I am doing. This is my family. 
This is my area. This is the thing that God has called me. Now it's, now, it's easy for me to do that because God's spoken to my heart. I know I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. I know that. A hundred percent. There is no doubt in my mind about that. And so I can throw everything in. And I have. That's what I do. This is my life. This is what we do. I am here. It is revival or bust. That is where we're headed, okay? We are going to see the kingdom come in this area. We are going to see that healing well burst up. We are going to see provision released. We are going to see people trained and equipped and sent out over the world to take the gospel to people who haven't heard it. That is us. That is where we're going. And I'm in it. I've covenanted with myself. And I think Heather's in for it as well. She kind of has a few wobbles occasionally and says, I want to go and do something different. I've had enough of this. This is too hard. But we really know, where else would we go? This is it. This is it. This is what God has called us to do. And that is what he wants us to do. The great thing about marriage is that as you submit yourself to that process, actually, I think you become a better person. You know, as we kind of knock the edges off each other through various disputes and kind of little things that go on. Actually, what comes out at the end is something that is very sweet. And we become much better people through it. And I think as we commit to one another, as we decide to serve one another, as we decide to work hard, to really kind of like, we did this morning get up half past seven it was so cold at half past seven none of the heating was on in here it was slippery on those roads out there because it was frosty and then it rained and it, we were sliding all over the place but this is what we do this is what we do and as we commit to one another and say yeah i want to be in on that i want to be part of that that family i want to be part of that that um, battalion that is going to contend and lay hold of these promises of God. We're going to commit to each other and we're going to see this thing happen. You, you start to get it inside you and you think, man, I've got to get down there. I've got to make sure everything's all right. I've got to, we've got to get things going because God's going to come. Today could be the day that he breaks out when he fulfills those things that he said to us. The, the Bible talks about us being a body, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians 12. Our, um, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if you only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important actually are the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those that we clothe with the greatest of care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honourable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to the parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the, mem- all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it. 
you know, this is what's going on at the moment. We, we've got a great body and various parts of it are hurting. Poor old Malcolm and Ruth, they've been going through it. I mean, oh, falling off a ladder right at the critical moment when he needs to be caring for Ruth, who's recovering from a, a cancer operation and everything. Bless him. But that's where the body needs to get going. That's where we need to just be looking. We need to be sending our antibodies over there to kind of to bless them, to pray for them, to kind of send them some dinner over, kind of give them a call, say, is there anything I can do? Can I get anything from the shops for you? Because it must be very difficult to get out and about at the moment. That is where the body really begins to function. And it is a busy time of the year. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, there's a lot of things to go to. Christmas time, it often gets busy like that. But we have to look after our body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are corporately the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come and fill us afresh. I think there is a lot of power to be released as we step into this place. As we step into a place of greater uh, commitment and greater covenant together, I think there is going to be a power that is released. Now, we've, we've often said from Psalm 133, haven't we, how good and how pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil pouring over Aaron's head, down his beard, over his robes, onto the floor. And in that place of unity, it says, the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. We want to be in that life. We want to be flowing in that life. So we need to live in that place of unity. And if we look at the story in Acts as well, in Acts 2, um, 42, where it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, sharing in meals. It's an important thing, eating together. I would encourage you to do it. It's an important part of life and connecting. Going back to the dream again, you know, we need to connect together. We need to look after each other. You can't do that completely remotely. Get connected in. Sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, And to prayer, they prayed together. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, that's a great picture of the body functioning and the body really flowing together. Now, you know, we're not brilliant at it. I'm not brilliant at it. Don't, I, won't, I won't include you in it. I'm not brilliant at it, okay, because... There are times when I am a little bit of an island and I do like to kind of get alone and all of that stuff. But I need to push deeper. I need to go further. I need to open up. We're working at it. That is the thing that we need. It's an intentional thing. It isn't just going to happen. If you just turn up here at half past ten on a Sunday and leave at twelve to go away and get back in time for something, it won't happen. It won't happen. You have got to be intentional about it. You've got to choose to make that covenant. You've got to choose to serve. You've got to 
actively get involved and do it. So what, what does it look like to us as a church? I've said it. I've said most of the things. It, it's about working and serving together. It's about, it's about doing things together. There's lots of things that we do together. Even just kind of putting these things on, we've said it before, it takes 45 volunteers to make this happen on a Sunday. Okay, that's kind of around about half the people that were here today. Those half people can get very tired and very worn out if they're just doing it all the time. So we need the family to be family. At home, we like people to do the chores, don't we, Josie? We do. We like people to join in and to make meals and to do stuff. And it's like when you're in a home, you contribute to the home. You contribute to the workings of the home. You do the washing up. You, you make a meal. You tidy up. You clean up. You do whatever. It's part of living together. And that's something we need to grasp hold of. We share the bills together. I mean, we've, that's good. And there's some great givers in the church. And I bless you for them. But as a group, there are things that we do together that have a cost. And we are family together. And, you know, God does not make you do anything because we're not under law anymore. But actually, as a family, it's good to contribute, isn't it, to the family meals. It's good to kind of put your bit in. I mean, rather than just letting someone else pay for it all the time, it'd be good to actually put some in and, and kind of help that process and get in and along. Now, each of us, each of us have different amounts that we can do. And it's all good. It's all good. But all I would say is families contribute. That's what they do. We care for one another. We talked about that. We need to be aware of who's ill, of who's, who needs help, and to be thinking, how can I be a part of that? If each person does a tiny bit, one person's not going to get exhausted. We had a great day moving Sean and Zinni into their new house yesterday. I have never seen such chaos in my life, honestly. Dear Lord, it's two people swapping houses and moving everything they own out of each end and crossing over in the middle. And it was exhausting. But it was great that the woman that they've, of the house they'd moved into was spoken so much by the people that turned out. She said, where are all these people coming from? There was people turning up with marigolds and Jay's cleaning fluid and, and people unloading vans and there was cars and there was white vans turning up, packed to the gunnels with garden sheds and all of that stuff. And it all kind of, it was exhausting. It was exhausting. I was only there half the day as well. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it was such a witness. It was such a witness. And that is how we need to operate but we mustn't just kind of look and say, well, that's good that all of that's going on. We need to own it. We need to be a part of it. I've nearly finished. Heather's looking at her watch. Um, caring for one another, eating together. We've mentioned that. Committing, um, committing to the family, burning our boats. Removing the plan B as an option out of our minds. We're in it for the long haul. We're family together. Okay. Now, does that mean that God can never move you on? No, of course it doesn't. He may well speak to you. And that happened in the, in the 
New Testament, didn't it? As they were meeting and praying together, the Holy Spirit said, separate off to me, Paul and Barnabas. And they sent them out to go and do some other stuff. And God does that. God, God does move, move people on. But you do it being sent from a family. And you get all the prayers and blessings that go with you. So anyway, I think that's enough. I'll hand over to my dear wife who's got notes. Oh, and we're going we're gonna to kind of join around the table as well. So uh, that's a real good sign of family. Thank you, darling. Well done. Very good.